The Bizzle. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome back to my ongoing series of Firefly full-length TV commentaries with my boy and senior Bizzlecast contributor, Maddie G. People seem to be enjoying them, and here we are with the amazing and hilarious episode six, starring Christina Hendricks, our Mrs. Reynolds, uh, and Matt and I have an absolute blast, as you will hear. I'm going to do the normal short intro with Matt and then lead into the countdown and then into the episode. Just a quick note, however that the first few episodes, um, as I may have mentioned uh, with Matt, uh, had some technical difficulties, and then it was pretty much smooth sailing up until the end. This was one that we had a a couple hiccups with the sound. It sounds fine. Um, It might just not line up a thousand percent if you are syncing this with your TV, so I do apologize about that. Most of them do, and from here on out, it should line up pretty perfectly, and I tried to get it as close as possible. And so I hope you enjoy it, however you listen to it, and I'm going to jump right into the intro with Matt. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome to the Bizzlecast commentary for the Firefly TV series. We are at the glorious episode six, Our Mrs. Reynolds. Matt? Hi, everybody. I, uh, I, I'm as excited as you are. This is really one of the, the A double plus moments of this show. This is truly one of the funniest, one of the best I, I this is one I circled when we uh, when Jesse and I came up with this pro, uh, project. So wh- where do we find ourselves uh, a- at the moment with the crew? Yeah, well, when last we left our heroes, we had the episode safe, which was two things. It was the backstory of Simon, his childhood with River, his kind of ultimate separating from his family because they refused to believe she was in trouble and he was the only one who could see the truth uh, that relationship of course is the central narrative you know dynamic of the entire universe it's their relationship to each other and what they went through drives everything right up until the movie we also got a plot involving book that hints at his previous life with it's implied the alliance they never go any they never reveal what that is so unless you want to read the comics you'll never know what all of that was about one of my favorites not necessarily one of jesse's favorites it ends with a pretty great moment and some pretty kick-ass lines from Mal as he and the crew have to rescue uh, Simon and River from almost being set on fire. Mm-hmm. And we go from a great ending to a great opener in Our Mrs. Reynolds, which we're right about to get to. Yeah, I mean, you know, five episodes in, if you want to count the two-hour pilot as just, you know, single episode one, we've had tons of comedic moments and, and, and jokes and, and humor, um, but we haven't had a really straight-up comedy episode. Shindig came the closest, but um, there was still a lot more going on. This was the episode where, when I was watching the series, again, having seen the movie first, everything started to click for me in terms of how hilarious and uh, th- this series was, but that it wasn't cheap jokes that every single joke is a is a character moment um as well uh, as hilarity from joss whedon who we should say you know obviously gets a writing credit on all these shows he does have other writers right i'm sure he has a final pass this one he wrote beginning to end no surprise with the level of the level of comedy here and then the episode after this uh is another comedy episode for the most part janestown um which we're gonna do afterwards uh, i only point that out because i would say um and then i'm gonna lead us into the countdown matt i don't know if i'm getting this right but everyone has had like serious character beats or or arcs or sub arcs except for jane so far and that's why janestown coming after this uh, is important right i would say so yeah um maybe not necessarily zoe yet but uh this episode is going to explore zoe and wash's marriage a little bit in ways that will pay off in later episodes um, but yeah, uh, Jane is one of the only characters who has been left as a kind of stock 2D character, you know, Western character, just kind of the gun for hire. Um, mm-hmm. And in the next episode, we'll get to explore his depth, such as he has, a little bit more. Um, but first, we get just a, a laugh riot for 
42 minutes. Absolutely. And Christina Hendricks, who is the, you know, the star of this episode and ends up coming back in a few episodes because she's so great. Um, we know that she was on uh, what, Buffy or Angel. So Whedon had worked with her. She appeared on one episode of Angel about two years prior to coming on Firefly. Mm. Um, she had not done a whole lot before that. Actually, she had been in a few episodes of a, a show called Undressed, which I believe was an MTV show, and then the pilot for something called Sorority that doesn't have a Wikipedia page. So I'm going to guess didn't make it past the pilot. So really, um, and then she was on a show called Beggars and Choosers that I don't know anything about. Um, but So she'd had a few writing credits before Firefly, but not not a ton. Um, so this, and this will be my last time, we'll get into it, although I do want to comment, and we'll get back to the fact that Zoe doesn't really ever have her own stories, it's always through Wash or Mal, um, I don't think that's a slight against Zoe, it's just the way her character is structured, and her stoic personality, but, um, you know, Christine Hendricks is, a, uh, Christine Hendricks is a huge star now, after Mad Men, uh, but, you know, there was something about her look, and, you know, she was one of the things I knew nothing about, even having seen the movie, so I I was really not sure what was going on the first time I saw this. And this is one of the more rewatchable episodes because you know it's coming and you're just going to laugh with us. So I'm going to count us down into this one. Make sure you queue up your uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, and uh, so forth to zero hours, zero minutes, zero seconds, subtitles on, ambient sound if you want. And uh, yeah, Matt, we're going to really enjoy this one. You ready to go? Absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, here comes the countdown. All right. Hope everyone is queued up. And here we go into the countdown. Three, two, one, go. All right, folks. Welcome to our Mrs. Reynolds. And this one doesn't even wait uh, f- past the cold open to get going. Yeah, this is uh, this is one of the best prologues in the whole show. It uh, is going to characterize what I've said repeatedly, which is that this show can change beats really quickly. And Whedon is really good at making you think one thing is another is something else until he reveals what it is. We think this is going to be fairly serious. This scene will turn out to be fairly action packed. But as we're about to find out, what we think is going to be a very tense action scene is actually pretty damn funny. Um, <laughs> we get it with this line you might want to from reconsider. Jane. Married me a powerful, ugly creature. (laughs) (laughs) And they're so weird, even in this weird world that Whedon's created, that they confuse these guys and catch them off guard. And this is a brilliant plan, too. It's an absolutely brilliant plan. It's fun. You know, it had to be Nathan Fillion, who is prettier than Jane, no doubt about it, to be the woman. And what's great is he's channeling, you know, actual, you know, like uh, feelings of being upset about being called powerful, powerfully ugly. But it's all a charade, right? I mean, that's yep. what's great about this whole episode is, is it talks about their lives all being a giant act. Whoop, there's Zoe being a badass. Yep. Here, I also want to say the line, I swear by my pretty floral bonnet, I will end you. (laughs) There are maybe a half a dozen or a dozen lines from this show that are like bumper sticker lines that are like the the best, the best moments of this show. And that is absolutely one of the greatest lines in the whole show. Now, I will Uh, say, man, you talk about how, you know, there's less killing in the show than maybe we think. But this, not only do they just murder a bunch of guys. That's true. They will go immediately to a dance and celebration scene that these guys are dead. And of course, they they had every reason to kill them on on the outer, the outer rim, the outer worlds, right? I mean, that's why Han Solo shoots Greedo in in the original Star Wars. Like, the the same rules of morality that we, we live by are supposed to live by just don't always apply in these right. situations. And this is another establishing, you know, the, the outer rims cultures. Um, yep. I, I think if there's something that, oh, oh man, this is great. I love this. Jane gets super drunk and thinks this is like the best thing ever. And then the next day he's like, what is this piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> it's important that everyone gets drunk here. And, and there's a great moment coming up where, you know, where, where, uh, you, Christina friend. Hendricks, you friend, where Christina Hendricks appears and, the guy <laughs> and yeah and jade who's also wasted has to tell Mal that yes man you were drunk last night <laughs> oh yeah and yes i did that you did those things <laughs> so this makes no sense out. 
this makes no sense the the marriage ritual but who cares it's just to set up the okay so right so here's the preacher again not doing much but doing something really important which is which is observing the marriage ritual it's interesting that he doesn't try and stop mal he you know Actually, this is one of the best preacher episodes. His whole special level of hell speech that he gives. Okay, here's Christina Hendricks. They put her in tattered rags. They, they, you know, they screw up her hair. She's got dirt on her face, and she's still stunning. Okay, this is a classic image there with Wash holding Zoe. Um, That sums up their whole relationship. Um, What can you say, man? Oh, I know what I was going to say, which is that they really try in these various outer uh, worlds to establish different cultures, but there's only so much they can do because it's a Western, right? And the terrain's the same and the people kind of talk the same. Another quick cut. This 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 episode is brilliantly cut. Do you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. though, man? Like, do you think th- with the time that they had and the resources they had, they succeeded in making different planets feel distinct? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, although, again, if you think about the Western genre, how many of those fictional towns and all those different movies and TV shows really felt different? They all felt like they could be in one universe with each other because – the Western genre had kind of stock types and there was a stock type of town that its plots were set in. Um, and I think we didn't maybe believe that if you had this sort of rustic life, if that's the only thing you had left or that was what you were left with, Mm -hmm. all rustic communities would be at least somewhat similar on the surface. Yep. Okay. So, the next 15 to 20 minutes is an uh, object lesson (laughs) (laughs) to Wubbahoo. That's like your comment about, right? How they don't, they don't say the, uh, the (laughs) Wubbahoo. Mr. Reynolds, sir, this is an object lesson of, of how to interweave great plot with hilarity that is building character at the same time as, as moving (laughs) things forward. He's stunned. And that's a great moment where Whedon lets the shot linger, whereas a lot of times, as we've talked about, the show is pretty tightly edited and it it, pre- it moves pretty quick. Yeah. In that moment, it just sort of lets that scene just hang on his face a little bit as yep. he doesn't have any idea how to react to the situation. Yeah. But but the fast cut, the, the double fast cut from the daytime raid that they stop right. to the nighttime party to the daytime exit is meant to convey, is meant to disorient ourselves the same way Mal is disoriented by a combination of the dramatic events and the violence and then the drinking and the celebration and going and, you know, and so it's very believable that a woman like that could sneak on the ship amidst all this craziness going on. I mean, that's the thing. They, they're not just doing that for editing reasons. They're, they're doing it to get you in Mal's head. And this is totally a you're in Mal's head episode, I think. And just right, in terms absolutely. of how it's framed. <laughs> okay, people, we're going to have trouble with commentary on this at times. <laughs> the elder the whole way this is written, you didn't have cash or livestock. I mean, yeah. this whole story that she's weaving that I think is... It intentionally designed to perplex Mal and confuse him. Sure. Um, Here we go. <laughs> I got the like domestic. Yeah. How come you got a wife? I Jane is so jealous about this whole thing. Look at him. He's like, oh my god. I, I think it's safe to say Jane masturbates quite a bit. Well, he says I'll be in my bunk about yeah. four times. Right. So, okay. So, Matt and I talked about this before the, the episode, which is Zoe thinks this is a big joke, and then in five minutes, she's going to think it's really not a joke and gets concerned about it. It's a moment that's interesting because it sees Zoe change character a little bit. You know, she'll she has a very deadpan sense of humor and she can be quite funny, but she's actually being irreverent and digging into uh, the look at Inara's captain. face. I'm yeah. sorry, <laughs> and the, the horror on Inara. This is huge. <laughs> <John Mars. laughs> always polite is uh is simon she? oh she's no one <laughs> captain oh, this is where that? kaylee says he's a big monster right yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't feel that <laughs> he's like a monster <laughs> <laughs> yeah he won't turn it around it's an order can't an Got encyclopedia yeah Yep. Yeah. You know, again, Shepard gets stuck with uh, like little little twigs, but he he makes a lot out of them. 
he makes fire out of twigs. I think it's safe to say with Shepard book. Oh yeah. You know, his character is kept intentionally <laughs> apart from everybody else, even in a way Simon's isn't because even though Simon doesn't feel like he fits in his, what he's going through is the most critical story in this whole universe book story which never even gets revealed is is kept intentionally separate so he always feels like he's on the outside looking in and look at all Uh, the dynamics look inara thinks he's uh, in inara and kelly thinks he's acting (laughs) like a monster oh here it is i passed out yeah i don't know i passed out (laughs) a moment where they show true camaraderie with each other yeah even though most of the time they're butting heads but there they're kind of like on the same page with each other so so Uh, right so so wash and zoe are joking kelly and inara are horrified especially inara book is not clear whether he's fucking with him or not jane's jealous he's standing right next to her with his hand on his crotch right Uh, and you know Mal's right in his initial instinct that she's trouble and they all come to think that she's trouble and then she seduces him but the show does the right thing and not make you make him feel too bad for too long for being seduced basically right well because they're because that's his instinct he's right that you know they don't listen to him they say he's acting like a monster so he tries to open up but that's but that's human relationships that's what the show gets you know as hilarious as this premise is they play it for the most part to the logical conclusion i think uh, uh, in terms of the emotions and responses of the actors sure and it's interesting in that moment where he says i'm the only one who doesn't think it's funny you know and in that he's right and it's interesting that his his wanting to do the right thing is what ultimately almost undoes him. You know, that Saffron or Yo Saffridge, as she's typically referred to, is able to read him so well that she figures out that playing to his morality is the way to do it. Um, and and slowly, uh, uh, gently and slowly stroking his, his man ego a little bit. <laughs> what kind of crappy planet is that? <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, man, this has my favorite two-word line in the history of television. Good Bible. Uh, oh, yeah, good Bible. <laughs> good myth. <laughs> good Bible. Uh, I, would, I, I would guess it would be a good Twitter handle. Good, good, yeah. <laughs> good Bible. <laughs> this is interesting, though, because this is the first situation that Mal doesn't entirely know how to handle that we've seen. there. I think there's some others he's going to encounter later. He doesn't exactly know what to do during the. She's duel. already got him. She's already yeah. ensnared him. We're yeah, we're, we're ten bit. minutes in. We're seven minutes into her being around, and she he's completely ensnared. And the second he gives her an opening for cooking or whatever it is that comes next, it, it just is a downward spiral. Do you think it's her behaving like the opposite of Zoe behaves towards men that, that that's what turns Zoe from thinking this is funny to being annoyed and upset about it? I don't know the cooking. The cooking for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never quite figured out when she figures it out. But yeah, the first sign that she's flipping is Saffron prepares him a meal, and Wash says, uh, "Did she really make fresh whatever?" And Zoe says something like, "Remember that sex we were ever going to have ever (laughs) again, or something like that." (laughs) So I guess maybe it's in that moment where she sees somebody being so intentionally subservient that she starts to wonder if it's not a con. And, and yeah, man, I mean, yeah. And like every, without objectifying I, Christina Hendricks performance is intentionally extremely seductive. I mean, Jesus, that look where she says, my name is Saffron. That is really sexy. <laughs> Christina Hendricks in, in Firefly is pretty much all around my perfect woman. And the fact that she's totally insane plays into that. If you've listened to my conversations with my dad in the past or so forth. I talked to doctor about that. Your dad's a psychiatrist. Yeah, right? see, yeah he knows that I'm in love with, <laughs> with, with, with insane, uh, with charismatic but insane women. Um, but Meanwhile, we've changed from something to something else, which is one of the truly funniest things book ever says. Future, uh, you got Oh, here it is. Here it is. Best book line. This is the best. This not only is it the best book line, but look at the way he shoots his head back coming up. Here, yeah, yeah, it's a great visual gag yeah. of the way he kind of pops in at the diagonal and pops thing. back. He out. totally fits. Here it comes. Yep, <laughs> the special Al. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then later after everything goes down, he goes, "Well, isn't that special?" Yeah. And by the way, Zoe being annoyed by this is mirrored by when she cooks for uh, Wash at the end of War Stories after he's been tortured. It's like the first time she's ever cooked for him. 
Yeah, it's true. Wife soup. I must have done something good. I think is what Wash says. Yeah. Um, it, it was important that Zoe. I know. I know this isn't about Zoe, but I am fascinated about her reaction to this. It's important that Zoe isn't just a tough woman who is just a sensitive woman. Nope, she's just maybe a tough that's woman. The moment. That's you see her look right there. Isn't she quaint and right? But do, do you know? Do you see what I'm saying? Like Zoe's <laughs> not the like you know Ray or Jin or so. Like she's just tough. You know, right. she is sensitive, but she's not soft anywhere. Quaint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she. He's he's constantly in the horror of 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 it. You know, and I think among many reasons for Wash to be the main one to die in the mm-hmm. in the movie was for Zoe to fully realize what she had had and what she'd lost. I think. I think yeah. she she takes Wash for granted a little bit. Oh, and this is a this Maybe, is an intentional misdirect here, Matt. Yeah. Hold on, this is an intentional misdirect because you're going okay. She's crazy, you know how much she's doting. So right. she is projecting craziness. Like when you're lying, the best thing when you have a big lie, the best thing to do is get as close to the truth as possible without quite going there, right? Right. So if she played too normal, it wouldn't sell. But she plays crazy, just not in the way they're expecting. I think is the idea. I'm going to go captain. <laughs> is that what is that what the kids are calling it these days? I'm going to go ba- right. bathroom and captain. <laughs> <laughs> Do you captain? <laughs> wash your feet. Right. Wash your feet. He looks at them. <laughs> that face right there. The the one direction, yeah. the other, and then turning. I, yeah. This episode has more lingering shots that yeah. that ramp up the comedy really because the editing is a little bit slower. Um, so now what we're seeing is. Perhaps what the larger plan Saffron has when she comes on the ship, which is this whole act is in some way designed to destabilize the crew. And when we later find out that she's done this over and over again, you got to figure she's that's the effect she has always had when playing this character is the goal is to get everybody fighting with everybody else so they don't suspect that they're getting played into fighting with each other, which is actually a little oddly uh, prescient given how the 2016 presidential election went, but that's besides the point. (laughs) Um, You know, and, but this scene is about the ways in which Saffron throws a wrench into how they interact with each other. You know, she, Inara is always kind of exasperated by Mal. By the way, she's in shadow this entire episode. Have you noticed that? Her face is not shadow. Yeah. Look at that. I don't know what the point of that is unless it may have been an accident. It may be to convey conflictedness about this whole thing. She's um, so irrational here. This is the most irrational she gets into heart of gold. I think about Mal. Right. Right. Because that's the effect Saffron, I think intentionally has is she upsets. I mean, she upsets the women other than Kaylee. Um, there's a deleted scene where even river is bothered by, uh, Saffron. She acts here out it on it in a very Sorry. weird way, but, I wasn't looking for a fight. Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Always just doing the fun. (laughs) Another scene. This is great. This is one of the best Jane moments of all time. For sure. Do I have your attention? (laughs) 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 You'll take me seriously. Jane's doing a really, or Adam Baldwin is doing a really good job in the scene of barely moving his head, and his eyes are looking at the exact same spot in the entire scene. Yep. That's the problem, is like, when you first watch the series, you're like, either Adam Baldwin is a genius actor who knows how to play this, this character, or he is this character, and it turns out he basically is this guy. <laughs> he may be a worse person than this guy. I mean, this is yeah. the best role he's ever had. I've seen him in some other... <laughs> Full Metal Jacket. It's my very favorite gun. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he thinks Mel would go for this is just hysterical. Trade hell, it's theft. That's such a good line. <laughs> it's extreme. <sentiment. laughs> you know, and uh, it, it, among all the brilliant introductions in the uh, opening tracking shot of, of Firefly, where Jade's talking about bringing grenades. <laughs> sure Here it is. Big... Wait, no, you should say that line. We missed it because you you love that line. My days of taking you not not taking you seriously are definitely coming to a middle. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically saying they're not coming to an end anytime soon, you dumbass. 
go play with your rain stick. So to go back to your point about how often and change jerks off on this ship. Well, clearly they all seem aware that that's what he spends a lot of time doing. <laughs> Again, she's creeping around being creepy. So you think yeah. that's the thing that's off about her. It's brilliant. You know, her whole role is brilliant. Her being a former companion, which we're going to learn, uh, is interesting, which is, yeah. which is, no, she left the training house. I think mid, right. mid training thrown out. I, but yeah, she has training of some sort. Yeah. So do you, so you think she's manipulating, um inara not just through mal like do you you think she's directly manipulating inara uh uh, no because i don't think they interact until the final confrontation right before she you know leaves with the other shuttle by the way he's just made a statement of monogamy right there which is exactly what she wants Mm -hmm. don't don't brand the cattle brand the buyer yeah and it's interesting that it's not interesting. I mean, she, she is very good at this because she does get him to talk about his life before the war. Which Inara could w- totally do if Inara opened up to him. Inara is the per- – that's the thing. Right. She's, she's the dark mirror of Inara for Mal. You know, he's been yeah, wanting exactly. to say this stuff to Inara all this time, and she won't let him. And by the way, Inara's s- suddenly irrational jealousy of Mal – is sold at least halfway way, half through performance in this episode. Like, sure. We don't have a ton of evidence that she's in love with Mal. We know she's attracted to him, but, you know. She feels something pretty strongly for him. I don't think she's fully aware of what it is. No, we but, don't. But what I'm saying is, do we have any episode before here, episode six, that that was the case? No, not really. Um, you know, bits and pieces. Oh, here hints. comes Goofy Hats. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, this, I think, actually is going to tie into a scene we see much later on, which is in Heart of Gold, the other, Nandy, whatever her name is, the one who got, who yes. quit the companion training, God, is, is good, good enough at, at her training to know, to be able to read the attraction that Inara has for Mal. She can peg Mal as in love with Inara, like, instantly. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't care. You know but what? But she can read that Inara feels something for her, too. And clearly, I think Saffron, who has the same training can read some of that as well. And so she figures out a way to talk to Mal in a way that's going to get to Inara. She does fuck with Inara, but not directly until the end. It's through, it's, it's through a second level, basically. Yeah. I, I, I love that point you just made baby geese. Here it is, right? She accuses him of taking the female side, which he's not doing at all. This is, Zoe, this is the most irrational we ever see Zoe. I think, yeah. That's the whole point. It's like, um, God, oh shit. What science fiction? Th- I'm thinking of another science fiction show where everyone just, is it Star Trek? What's the episode where everyone just starts acting irrationally just from someone else who's around? I guess it's a science fiction trope. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a next gen episode where like old Sarek starts transmitting emotions. Oh, and so yes. bar fights start breaking out and shit. But, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But an um, episode where characters act irrationally. I feel like there's okay. like hundreds of episodes of that across lots of different shows. Okay. We got to be with the scene real quick, but I want to yeah. take back what I said in an early episode that Malin and are a good pat pairing. There's a lot of conflicts there in personality sure. and, and Nandy or whatever her name is, is the perfect woman for Mal, which makes her death. So tragic, you know, he's so comfortable around, around Nandy and, Oh my god, I, Matt! I could not believe this when I saw this. I was like, "Who is this woman?" I yeah. definitely saw this before Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, it's okay. Listeners, we warned you. We we might be yeah. laughing. I'm, I'm turning up the volume here, listeners. I apologize. I, uh, and I'm not Sleepy. for professional reasons because I might then just lose it. <laughs> One flesh. The way she pronounces her words is just yeah. I- insanely sexy. Yeah, I and and she was completely think, nude here. By the way, I think this is real. I, it could be. Whoa, hey, flesh. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was one of the like only the director and the camera operator were here for parts of the scene. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I, I give Christina <laughs> Hendricks credit. I think she was. I think we decided she was about twenty four when she did this, and she Look done at her some. Boobs. I'm sorry. Like they're not even being shown. It's, it's she, her body's ridiculous. I I mean, and then she's As a furrow to the plow, and, and he shall work in her. I'm sorry. I got to read this. This is not in the Bible. In I mean, in again, and yeah. bring him to his full. Rest him then yeah. upon the sweat of her breast. Here comes. Oh. Good Bible. <laughs> Good Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
nor a pleasure to look upon saffron. Yeah, your pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> You're pleasing. Yeah. But the thing about Christina Hendricks is it's her voice and her acting and her personality that makes her ridiculously sexy. You know, like And her demeanor, the way yeah, she, the that's way what her I meant body, to say, her, her demeanor. Yeah, her body yeah. language, the way she's yeah. looking down and up at him. I yeah. mean, yeah. She could look totally different physically than this, but because of her demeanor and the way she moves and talks is just you know. Let and me. I don't honestly I I don't even feel bad talking about it this way because this is clearly what Whedon designed for yeah. the character. And it's clearly an act that she is putting on to win him over. And you can see, and this is a good bit of acting from Nathan Fillion, you can see that he is somewhere in his brain kind of fighting this and he knows he's losing. I mean, he knows yeah. he cannot keep And she's drawing person. from real experience, by the way. That's what right. makes this so convincing is she has been with horrible men before. She probably has. I mean, when he catches her later, she says, most guys are on me within about 15 minutes. So Okay, so he kind of has a bulge in his pants. Do you think they did that on purpose? I have no idea. In this scene, I have never looked at Nathan Fillion's pants. I There's- never have either. When he just stood up there and looked around, it looked a little bulgy in the pants. And the- Just because be- she makes the lineup out of up here. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I mean. Oh, God, here we go. Look at her. So yeah. she is about 27 here, I believe. Something like that. Been acting and now she's years. taking charge. And now he's really, I mean, the look at, he's almost Swell. scared of her at this point, or he's scared of this situation. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> yep. Mal, I swell to think of you. Oh, that's just. <laughs> Mal almost has sex here, and he has sex with Nandy before she dies in Heart of Gold. That's it. Yep. yep. That is it. I, I mean, nobody. He, other than Wash and Zoe and Inara get laid on a, on a more than very occasional basis in this show. Well, I'm going we, to special we, hell. <laughs> we know for sure that Kaylee's been using a vibrator the whole time based on the timeline. That's line. true. Although we will, establ- and they, we will establish it uh, when we watch Heart of, yes, uh, of Gas. Uh, out of Gas that they meet her when she's plowing the old engineer in the engine room. And um, this is a perfect example of only and show is the reveal you yeah. know and, and and the music you know something's going on with her but we didn't really strings it along for about but not that long half the episode well, this was this was the point i was just trying to make a second ago which is that sex in, a, in, in tv and movies should only be used as long as it's useful and right. they kiss just long enough to be passionate and to get sucked into it before he fell over. A exactly. lot of directors and actors would have gone way further before him dropping off. Joss Whedon, nope, kiss for five seconds, boom, night sweetie. Yep. So now we see the continuation of Saffron's plot. And what we're going to establish in this scene that's so interesting is that she is going to fail. You know, she is not going to be able to pull this same shit with uh, Wash despite reading that their marriage is rocky um, and maybe she's not wrong in that respect, but Wash is able to resist her basically doing the same thing, which is instead of telling a sexy Bible myth, she tells a sexy space myth about the universe being letting all the stars go into her and being filled with ecstasy and blowing out the sky and Mm -hmm. whatever. By the Uh, way, the earth that was thing we hear only a handful of times, which is very poetic. And and they use it at the beginning of the movie when the creepy teacher is given the history of the, uh, yeah, they kind of treat earth as a sort of mythological thing. I, I, I don't know exactly when this takes place. I always got the sense it was maybe about 500 years in the future, but the point is they are so far beyond Earth that they don't have any real connection to it anymore beyond a thing that existed. You know, good myth. It's the same sequence, yeah. and it's, again, this speech of I saw, you know, it's the same manipulate the guy, play on you, reading on her, on, of him, and then ultimately try to get him to bang you uh, and knock him unconscious. And then here we see Wash actually be stronger than Mal, and even in how Alan Tudyk is acting this in this moment, he doesn't seem quite like he's giving in. He no, seems he's not. He's he's slightly turned on, but he's not like right. hot for her, which is important. Yeah, right. You know, his body language doesn't suggest <laughs> a man who knows he's losing. Well, yes, but I like that. <laughs> but, but what I like is he claims he's not doing it because Zoe will kill him, but he's really right. doing it because he loves Zoe and he's got great self control. Right. 
and she says you truly love her and he says yes she's right here she didn't seem to respect you Right, not anyone gets me and Zoe. That's important. He wasn't offended by her earlier going after him. You could never be with a woman like Zoe if you get offended by when she's being kind of a biatch at times. Interesting that he's in uh, shadow when he says all that, but then... (laughs) This is great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the question is, we'll leave this rhetorical, did Joss already know that he was bringing her back like four episodes later? Probably. Because there were so few episodes, and he probably was writing them all at once, that he probably signed her for two yep. or three. You know, I, I really don't think he thought, oh, well, she was good. Yeah. Let's see and if by I can the get way, her again. By the way, we should mention what we said off mic, which was you've got the nine crew members, and then you've got a couple interesting bad guys that recur, like Badger and uh, Niska. And then you've got Saffron. I mean, that's it. I mean, she's the 10th character in terms of screen mm-hmm. time and importance. She has two whole episodes to herself. That's more than Zoe has. Zoe doesn't yeah. have two whole episodes to herself. Although I think if this show had gone on longer, we would have gotten some Zoe-centric episodes. I'm, I'm very confident. But by the that. way, the fact that there could be like double, triple, quadruple crossing in this episode and then bring mm-hmm. her back for trash and still find new ways to, you know, quintuple, sextuple, you know, uh, betray. It's just brilliant writing. Here we go. Right. This is one of the best scenes of the series. And this is where we find out that Inara can defend herself a little bit. A little. A little bit. You know. Well, Saffron's had to fight a lot more, I think, is, is the notion. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, she's, you can tell she's failing here after she's right. had to do it twice in a row. It's like her power her power couplings are, are running out of juice a little bit. Yeah, I think she's so. She's talking too I, fast. She's looking down. But then she gets also, herself together. Then she then right. right here she gets it together and goes for the full court press because this is the one person on the ship that can read her and she's got to just go for the throat, I think. Yeah. I think so too. And I think it works a little bit. You know, Inara says you don't play a player, which is a, an oddly non-firefly sounding thing to say. Um Yeah, but when Inara even, says it it really works for me. Yeah, it's believable. By the way, can we just comment yet again that the only person who can give Christina Hendricks a run for her money here is fucking Marina Baccarin? Uh, yeah. And actually, Marina Baccarin is more my type. I, I tend to be into, like, Middle Eastern looking uh, <laughs> Well, she's Brazilian by way of Italian ancestry, so... That's... I think Inara doesn't fall for this, obviously. You're amazing. Sorry, you're good. Except, you're amazing. Yeah. But I think she buys it a little bit. I think, you mm-hmm. know, she... Yeah, she, she's taken in for a second, less than wash. You know, it's interesting that she's probing each of her though. three attempts fail. You know, the first works, second fails, third yeah. really fails. But I don't think she doesn't. I, I think Inara falls for it a little bit. I think she's a little swayed for a moment. But I mean, she Inara says she's amazing. Later, so, right. she says you're amazing. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting, and this is again something that's going to come up again in Heart of Gold is the idea that Inara wasn't just a good companion. She was an amazing companion. She could have been house priestess or something like that. She, she could have, she, before she left, was on track to like be one of the most powerful people on the training planet. So clearly she's really good even for a companion. What does um, it say about Inara that she can only be honest and be affectionate with him when he's unconscious? <laughs> you know, I mean, she's so that, immature in some ways. This is crazy. It's as classy and, and civilized as she is. She's, a, she's still kind of a girl. I think it says that he's the only person <laughs> who makes her really feel things. And she's not entirely sure how to deal with that. Everybody else, all the guys she contracts with, she can, you know, she can, understands that everything they say to her is just, them falling for her wiles mal is the only one that she feels anything real for and it makes her act in a way she doesn't fully understand and it maybe even scares her a little bit well, i could say the same thing about mal unfortunately 500 years in the future in distant space people are still sadly celebrating christmas <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right there's a jewish guy criticizing christmas eat it bizzlecast Sorry. listeners Chris- did I miss something? What, Christmas? How do you he goes, he, That's him when he wakes up. He goes, oh, is it Christmas? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I he's, the shepherd is a Christian. I mean, he f- walks in the way of a carpenter. So, obviously, yeah. they're still going to be celebrating Christmas. That's what's great, though, is, is he uh, Washard's major points with Zoe for getting kicked in the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we go. This is her best comedy. 
My head got hurt. Like, like, <laughs> she plays concussed very well. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, she has a couple good comedic moments in the series, but for uh, for Ryan Reynolds and whoever else to recognize that she can be truly hilarious was was inspired with Deadpool because she is even way more serious and uptight in Homeland than she is here. And she looks small, and she looks young She's in this not scene. Small it, though, I don't understand no, no, it. Yeah, no, but she looks withdrawn. She looks like a kid. Part, yeah, yeah, which is very interesting. It's a a moment of vulnerability, and it's all lighting and staging and body language that's very very interesting and different. Oh, notice wow. River has almost nothing to do in I this episode. Did we see her before, right there? I told you there's a, a cut scene i think that that what matt uh we didn't really liked but just couldn't fit in where basically river thinks that because of mal uh and uh um saffron that she and uh simon need to get married and he really liked that scene is what he said in the commentary but he just he had to cut something and that by the way this is like jordy and data right here right looking at the controls (laughs) It's like Jordy and Data and Riker saying, just get on with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's poison. Anyway. So it's- <laughs> 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 they all just look at him. Again, we didn't edit this show so good, but you know, this episode you have these lingering shots that really just ramp the comedy up. I'm I crying. Mean, I'm crying, man. I can't <laughs> believe I always forget that line. <laughs> and that's the thing. He means it from a strategic standpoint, which makes it even more hilarious. <laughs> right, exactly. I only hit my head, but Mal had that. Anyway, getting back on track. Whew, I'm glad my roommates aren't home right now. I guess it's not too late. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm crying. Go ahead. Please talk. <laughs> All right. Another great line from Book. Interesting lighting on him. Underlid almost makes his oh face look God. a little bit menacing. Um, oh. Tries to seduce me, too. I'm so glad we did five serious really? episodes before this one so people would take us seriously. <laughs> yeah, really. Because this one, we've just been giddy. This is like our Deadpool review. Oh man! Also, you don't play a player, but you know what? She says it with such conviction, and Mm -hmm. and that is exactly the right usage of it. That's the thing. People say don't play a player in our reality and don't get it right. That is exactly what it means. (laughs) Do you see Wash smiling like a devil in the shadows? There's a lot in the shadows in this. Yeah, there is. Do you think Joss? Uh, (laughs) What? Everybody not talking about? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Uh, oh, these are the hats I was talking about. Oh, just that guy has the hat. Yeah, it's a what the that is a goofy looking hat. It looks it's like, like a, that, um, what was that, that that kids movie with Bill Murray where they were like under it's like a dystopia and they were underground and the lights went out and they had to get out. It looks like one of um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure I if you the tell city me the of Ember. I have no idea what that okay. is. It looks vaguely like one of those old coal miner hats that yes. have a bit a light on the front, but that makes no sense yeah. for a cloth hat on a space station. Right. You know, coal miner hats are strong right, so because rock might fall on your head can, can i ask you a question buddy mm-hmm. all right and this is not an attack you know that because you know i love the people and the concept and everything but why right. doesn't cw especially with like flash and why i can't speak to supergirl go for a little bit more of this where it is intentionally campy but also hilarious I, I wish I could answer that question. Um, I mean, this is one of the best-selling, this one earliest, but also continues to be best-selling DVD series ever. Right. And my impression was that even if you don't get great ratings, if you sell tons of DVDs, that's good enough. So, but TV still doesn't to be op- does not seem to be operating this way. I think writing scripts this good is really hard. I mean, Joss Whedon, how many script writers are there really at his level? Zero. Maybe four, five, three. For, for comedy I mean, or, or uh, sci-fi comedy? Or, just or, in yeah. terms of total quality. I mean, as much as I like Jeff Johns, who has written a lot of the Arrow and Flash episodes and you know has written a lot of superhero TV scripts and also a lot of comics – and I think is the closest thing to a Joss Whedon that DC has ever had. I mean, uh, uh, he's not as he's just not Joss. Michael I mean, Michael Hurst 
has written and directed every episode of Vikings ever, and most of them okay. are really amazing. The best, like, three or four Battlestar writers I would put up there. Um, but Battlestar is nowhere near as funny no. as Firefly. Battlestar has three jokes in the whole damn show. That's not true. It very oh, here we few- go. And they introduced the gun. This is brilliant. This is a yeah. great gag here. And again, a ch- you know, they set something up and then use it in a tonally different moment. Vera is introduced as something funny, and then ultimately it's used in one of the more tense moments of the show. I mean, um, this is and this is why the order of the show matters and why Fox fucked them so badly, which is that you needed as funny and weird and creepy and bizarre and dumb as Jane is in this episode. This is exactly why you have Jane on the crow. And the very next episode forces you to question him and him to question himself more importantly. Right. Not just question him. I, I don't know if question him is the right word. If anything, Jane looks better at the end of Janestown than he does at the <laughs> beginning because it shows he's capable of depth and self-reflection. Yep. Um, you know, and of seeing people as something other than marks to be taken advantage of. Um, I, I do think it's cool that, you know, people name their boats and cars. He names his guns. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, it's... They, they I mean, killed these guys too, by the way. Speaking of death and Firefly. Definitely. I mean, and this is a cool little bit of kind of lateral thinking of, you know, how do you shoot in space? Well, you put it inside a spacesuit so it's got atmosphere to discharge, and then you have to be a really good shot to shoot, you know, in a a perfect straight line like that. But that's pretty impressive. Well, which, you know, again, um, you know, (laughs) advanced rifles these days are powered by gas cartridges so you wouldn't have that problem and which would also uh, explain the high-pitched noise which by the way battlestar also does the high-pitched noise guns Mm -hmm. i was gonna bring that up uh for whatever reason there's like some pitch of gun that you can't use uh to make it less violent speaking of and now we get the final (laughs) confrontation and we get her dressed up too which is awesome yeah and I, whatever the hell she's wearing seems very form-fitting, which, you know, I, I ain't going to complain about that. If I'm Nathan Fillion, I, I'd have to do these takes a million times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, he's just on top of her. You know how long he has to stand there, like, when they're shooting this shit? She's sitting mm-hmm. there. He's on top of her. Anyway, you know, and this is maybe where we see the closest, you know, this is where we see finally this character in a, being as honest as she can be which is you know i am a con artist oh, yeah. i am by the way this crazy is, this is a very selena kyle moment right here this is a very yeah. like i do it for the fun more than anything else i think is what you she know, says, yeah exactly right? yeah and again this idea that as much as this show is about people on the fringe it doesn't uh, romanticize this way of life that we didn't makes it clear that there would be people in these, you know, trying to take advantage of each other and playing each other, crazy people, power hungry people, psychopaths on in this world, just as much as there would be, you know, overbearing borderline fascist government agents on the core planets. And now one isn't necessarily better than the other. It's just a more honest reflection of the variety of human experience. And this is ultimately part of what Inara finds irresistible about Mal, is that part of the reason that he buys her bullshit is because Inara makes him feel horrible about it. And then she realizes that he was right and got, they both got taken advantage of and she sees him in, you know, or, or, you know, I can imagine what's happening here in this situation. He's resisting this gorgeous woman over and over and over again, knows immediately not to trust her, never fully trusts her again, you know, right. for a man that, you know, that's, the, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I I can't give our, our, our gender that much credit. I mean, heterosexual men, for the most part, are very easily manipulated and swayed by women. And let's be honest, man, and that's part of what's being talked about in this episode. Throughout history, when women have no power, what's the one thing that they've had? Is sexuality. Sex. Yeah. You know? And, and that's an important part of Firefly. An important part Which of the Which is why commentary. I would say a lot of Western religion has been about shaming women who display that sexuality because it's trying to take the one kind of power that 
basically women very at Catholic in his morality and that's what's brilliant about this is when she starts qu- quoting the Bible supposedly you know it, it is like going against that like he is a little uptight about sex right I mean he's like e- even though he claims he's not a Christian anymore and he's an atheist and doesn't believe in that he still kind of has a Christian morality when it comes to sex and other things which is a really interesting aspect of his character here they are oh this is it this is the moment we talked about <laughs> look at her she admits it no. god look at those eyes <laughs> isn't that something <laughs> the piano mu- you know how i make fun of the piano music on cw <laughs> this- and his voice he gets the smirk back yeah. the smirk we haven't really seen since <laughs> the pilot interestingly enough and uh, he's whistling, and you know, whenever he walks- you hear, whenever you hear piano music on Arrow or Flash, someone's gonna hug. Whenever you hear piano music on Firefly, there's about to be a gag, and they're gonna make fun of the whole thing. And then the guitar music's gonna come in, and they'll make a joke. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. That show was amazing. Uh, so that we have a few technical difficulties uh, there, uh, Bizzlecast listeners. It should line up okay once I worked my magic on it. Um, that's about the. I think that's the biggest belly laugh of all the belly laughs of the Bizzle and all my commentaries in almost 100 podcasts, Matt. That was the biggest belly laugh ever was Jane <laughs> saying, that's why I don't kiss him on the mouth. Because yep. with all the humor, you just don't see it coming. You think you're past the humor at that point in the show. And that's what Whedon does so well, right? You think you've, right. you you talk about this a lot, um, about the changing of tones. You think you're past the humor part, you're in the action drama part, and then he drops that. Oh my God. Well, you need... One of the things this show does is it's not only funny, but it's funny in different ways. And Jane's sense of humor is far and away the most crass. It's the most juvenile. It's the most kind of just baseline. And so all of the jokes that we've gotten up until now have been kind of wordplay and whatnot. And he just drops like a really dirty joke in the middle of it. And everybody is caught off by it. They're rolling their eyes. I mean, you know, it changes the nature of the conversation and it's, it's hilarious and completely in keeping with his character. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a mic drop moment kind of a, of a line. It really is. But like with all great Jane lines, he would never think to drop the bike because he's not aware that it's even funny. Exactly. <laughs> and Janestown is the first and maybe last time that we see him be self-aware. Um, I can't wait to jump back on this with you, Matt. Uh, this is a great, great stretch. As you said, discs two and three um, of Firefly, I mean, are probably the two greatest discs of television ever for my money. Um, like a desert island, <laughs> you could take two discs with you. This, this, this would be hard to top. Yeah, I, I could spend a long time not going crazy with boredom if I had just those <laughs> the middle two discs of the Firefly DVD. Plus, you get to watch, you know, Marina Bucker and, and fucking uh, Christina Hendricks, you know. Yeah, be awesome. that would help, too. Yeah. So, all right, BizzleCast listeners, jump on uh, Janestown with us, episode seven, where Matt will be thankfully taking the lead because I, I've gone from zen to absolutely giddy. I'm trying to get a hold of myself here. So, we're having a blast. Hope you are, too. And we'll see you on the next episode.